0: Well, we come now to the final episode in this series on Philip the Evangelist, and as we've looked at the life of Philip, we see that as an evangelist, he had a vital role to play in the life of the early church. As a deacon in the influential church in Jerusalem, he had been involved in decisions and ministries that would shape the history of the church and set it on a good foundation. As a preacher in Samaria, he was the first to introduce the gospel to the Samaritans. They became Christians as a result of Philip's ministry in that region as a personal evangelist, God had used him to have an impact on the uh, conversion of the Ethiopian official. And so Philip's ministries impacted the, the Christian world, both locally in Jerusalem, in Samaria, in Ethiopia. Philip's ministry was both local and international. And even when Philip was Left the desert of, uh, after the encounter with the Ethiopian, we find him preaching in the region of Azotus. Azotus, from what we understand, was was Philistine territory, and the Philistines, of course, were were enemies to the Israelites. and And here is Philip reaching out as a missionary on foreign soil, groundbreaking work as he as he forges. Uh, uh, territory for for missions. Philip knew what it was like to be in the spotlight and and God had used him powerfully in, in so many ways. But Philip would not always have that spotlight shining down upon him and God would remove him from, from that position of uh, where he was noticed and his ministry was noticed and Towards the end of his life, God would give him instead a, a very quiet and unnoticed ministry. And in this episode, I'd like to take some time just to, to consider this aspect of Philip's ministry and life. After his encounter with the Ethiopian, we see that God led Philip to the coastal town of Azotus. Acts chapter 8 and verse 40 says, But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. That, in summary, is the rest of Philip's ministry. Azotus was the region in the region of the Philistines and as we've said the Philistines were the were often the enemies of of God's people and for Philip Azotus was a place of ordinary ministry and probably thankless ministry as well he, he would not be recognized in this Philistine territory. He was forging new territory, but the apostles would not come to see him as he, they had done in Samaria. He was all alone in his ministry as he traveled through. There are no records at all of any conversions that uh, Philip experienced in this time. There's no mention even of the towns where he preached as he went along the coast. It was just in this region, in this coastal region. Uh, And were it not for the fact that this verse 40, this one verse in all of the Bible records this, we would not even know that Philip had preached in the region of the Philistines. This particular ministry would go completely unnoticed. Philip traveled through that region on his way to the town of Caesarea, where it appears that he would settle and and have a family and raise his family. And as he arrives in Caesarea, even there in Caesarea, we have no record of what Philip was involved in, what kind of ministries. Philip was completely taken out of the spotlight. The only indication in the rest of Scripture that we have uh, of of Philip is found in Acts chapter 21, verses 8 and 9, and this is what it says. On the next day we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. It appears that Paul on his missionary journeys uh, went to visit Philip in the region of Caesarea. In Acts 21 we read that Philip had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. But there is no mention of Philip here apart from the fact that he had been one of the deacons in the church in Jerusalem. Paul simply stays at his house. His daughters, in fact, get more attention than Philip. There we understand that these four daughters have prophesied, but we have no record of Philip's ministry whatsoever. It appears that as Philip went to Caesarea, he had a family. And he raised that family. Nothing more ordinary than this. The deacon, the preacher, the evangelist has been taken completely out of the spotlight. And scripture has nothing more to say about him. Like a flower, he blooms in great colors and then dies unnoticed. What we do know about Philip is that he did raise his four daughters to know and to love the Lord. In that passage that we just read, we find that Paul discovers that these four daughters of Philip, not only did they love the Lord, but they prophesied. They loved the Lord and they served him. And so Philip passes on his faith to his children. He raised his girls to know and to love and to serve the Lord. And even out of the spotlight, Philip continues to share the good news of Jesus Christ with his family. He passed on his faith to the next generation by raising his girls to know the Lord. He served the Lord in in whatever God had called him to do, whether it was in the midst of what the world will call success or in ordinary everyday things, Philip was faithful to the Lord. Now, not everyone is called to public ministry and to serve in the spotlight. Many are called to minister unnoticed by anyone but God himself. These individuals often work behind the scenes when no one even knows they are there. And we have many examples of that throughout the scriptures. We have, for example, in Second John, the story about a man whose name was Gaius. And in Second John 5 to 8, we read this. These are the words of the Apostle John to Gaius. Beloved, he says, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth." Here in Second John, we read the story of a relatively unknown man by the name of Gaius who offers hospitality to, preachy, uh, to visiting preachers as they came through the area. He makes a special effort to bless them and make them comfortable and ease their burden as they travel from place to place. A ministry that would be relatively unnoticed except for those who were receiving the ministry. Gaius was not in the spotlight. He was behind the scenes lifting up those who were preaching the gospel. And John recognizes the value of this ministry of Gaius. In Romans 16, Paul takes the time to recognize many people who served behind the scenes we don't have time to look at each of these individuals but let's just take a moment to consider some he mentions priscilla and aquila who risked their lives for him individuals who opened their home for church meetings he he mentions also mary who was a hard worker, he says, for the church. We don't even know what she did except that she worked hard for the church. And so Paul recognizes these individuals who, whose ministry behind the scenes was valuable and, and significant for the advancing of the cause of Christ. People that were not noticed often, but whose role was vital for the furthering of the gospel. We're very familiar with the role, the ministry of the Lord Jesus and the the apostles or the disciples at that time as they traveled from place to place. But we have also a group of women who accompanied Jesus. And, and as these, these women accompanied Jesus, they ministered to his needs and they cared for him. They set it as their goal to, to minister to whatever need Jesus and his disciples had, setting them free to minister so, they, so that they did not have to worry about the practical matters. These women, for the most part, were unnoticed, but their absence would have been severely felt. It's all too easy for us to want the spotlight. But God is wanting to find people who will renounce the spotlight and go into the dark corners of this world. They will not be noticed, but their their ministry will be vital and important, like the ministry that these women had as they stood behind the Lord Jesus and his disciples. Providing for their practical needs so that they could continue the work. In Jeremiah 45, we have the story of Jeremiah and his secretary, Baruch. And in Jeremiah, we find a man who has suffered tremendously. In the ministry he had he, he was one who announced the doom and the gloom and was hated by many in fact to the point where Jeremiah was forbidden even to enter into the temple of God to preach and and so, as a result, he would write down his messages and and send his secretary Baruch into the into the temple to to preach these uh, or to to read these messages and and Baruch was often under tremendous strain as he as he wrote as he read these messages these prophetic words that that Jeremiah gave him and he began to uh feel that uh that strain so much that he he begins to complain Uh, about his lot in life and in Jeremiah 45, after his complaint to God, the Lord responds to Baruch and he says this, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel to you, O Baruch. You said, woe is me, for the Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I am weary with my groaning, and I find no rest. Thus says, shall you say to him, thus says the Lord, behold, what I have built, I am breaking down, and what I have planted, I am plucking up. That is the whole land. And do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not, for behold, I am bringing disaster upon all flesh, declares the Lord. But I will give you your life as a prize of war in all places to which you may go. And as Baruch, Baruch uh, breaks out in, in complaint about his sorrow and pain and, and the fact that he can't find rest, God challenges him. And God says, Barak, do not seek great things for yourself. I will give you your life, but do not seek great things for yourself. God wanted someone who would be in the front lines facing the conflict. And that was the role God had for Jeremiah's secretary. Sometimes the great things That we have to do will be to settle in Caesarea and to raise four young girls. Sometimes the great things that we will do will be to to feed the servants of God who, who pass through the area, standing behind them in support. Sometimes it might be opening up our home for the glory of God. It might be setting up the chairs for church. It might be baking or sharing what you have with those in need. Philip moves out of the spotlight and into obscurity, but he did not stop serving. God has a calling for each of us. There's no one who cannot serve the Lord. We could look at our circumstances often and we say, if only I had this or that, or if only I had more training, or if only this wasn't like this. But maybe Caesarea is your ministry. Caesarea is the place where your life is ordinary. But in that ordinariness, you are serving and devoting yourself to the Lord. Just like he called Philip to Caesarea to raise his family and to do whatever unnoticed. God is calling you today. He has a place right there for you in Caesarea. Whatever he has put before you, surrender it to the Lord today. A number of years ago, I was serving in a church in, and I was meeting in the home of a, of a lady who had been diagnosed with bone cancer. And she opened her house to us to meet every Sunday and they would set up every Sunday for our meetings. And as her bone cancer progressed, she got to a point where she couldn't sit up in a chair in the church when we, where we gathered. And so she would lie on a couch in the, in the adjacent room where she would listen to the, the word of God in her own home and when she couldn't even get to the to the room where where we were meeting or even to the adjacent room which was down in her basement she would lay in her bed upstairs with an intercom and listen to the to the message of God's word right there in her bed and and her attitude was one of, if if I'm going to die, I'm going to die serving the Lord in whatever capacity I have, and I'm going to open my house, and, and I'm going to, to give this place to the Lord so that we can meet and share with Him today, each Sunday. Where has God put you? He gave this lady bone cancer, Immobile in her bed and she still offered her home. Will you seek him about your circumstances? Will you will you cry out to him and say, Lord, I want to serve you right where I am, whatever I've called, whatever you call me to do? It doesn't matter if it's not in the spotlight. I just want my life to count for you. Will you show me what I can do and and where you have put me? and, And will you give me the grace to make the most out of what you've given me? At the end of my life, Lord, I want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant.